When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Caw and I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Fraser Wilson. Guys, how are you? Good, thanks. Afternoon, boys. How are you? Very well. Good afternoon. This is my, my favourite way to spend a lunchtime with, with you two gents. Um, and obviously, we've got plenty to talk about this week. Obviously, since we did a, a, a Celtic podcast last time, uh, Mick, and we will start with yourself. Um, Celtic are into the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup now. They saw Wraith Rovers, as you'd probably expect, but I thought it was really interesting, Ange Postacoglu's manner and demeanour after the game. Yeah, we got a, a wee view of um, Grumpy Ange after the game. Um, kind of strange. It was, um, we heard them during the game. The first half, I mean, it was quite a low-key kind of tie. I mean, Parkhead was kind of half empty, uh, or half full, however you want to look at it. Um, Celtic weren't the great the first half. We went slow going through the gears. But Posta Coglu was, was absolutely doing his dinger on touchline at times, shouting ball in the I mean, it was so quiet at times. You hear him shouting ball in, turning the turning the air blue at times about the lack of urgency in the team. Second half, much better. Came to life, brought in um, likes of Jota and Maida. Came on, made, made a difference, so to speak. Won the game quite comfortably. Got a good decisions from the referee right enough along the way. And then after the game, he came in to... Uh, talk to the media as always, and kind of and kind of let rip really. Kind of gave his, his, his team a bit of a, a bit of a roasting in public. Um, listen, it was it was you know what he's doing. It's it's good management. He's just letting his squad know the standards are set high, and he won't let them dip. I think maybe the second half against Aberdeen, they weren't quite at it. First half against Ray Rovers, they weren't quite at it. Um, and I think you wanted just to give them a little bit of a, a jolt. They've been getting quite a lot of platitudes and um, a lot of praise of late, the way they've been playing. And managers don't like that. They like a squad with a bit of an edge on them. So I think he's, he's given them a bit of a, a boot up the backside to, 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 to go again. Um, by all accounts, um, players that don't really reveal much about um, half-time team talks and dressing rooms and that stuff. But I think, I think the manager had a few choice words to say at half-time on, on Sunday. Um, but he knows he's got big games ahead. I mean, Bodo on, on Thursday night is huge, and he can't afford to have a flat performance. That, they have to be bang on it again, like they were in the first half against Rangers. Um, so that's just a manager letting them know that, that it's not all ticket boo and there's still, still work to be done. Right, absolutely. And, and Fraser, we, we've had um, the story on um, Record Sport Online since Sunday that the clip of Ange, where he's very, you can hear him, you know, above all the fans that were in the stadium right. screaming. I think it was Stephen Welsh for passing it backwards. And right. it, just, it just kind of underlines, as Mick says, he's, he's incredibly high standards. Aye, I, I, I love that stuff. I think if you listen very clearly, I'm sure he still punctuates it with the word mate at the end of every <laughs> sentence. But um, no, Mick's bang on. You know, managers are intelligent that way. 
the, the good ones wait for the right moment to have maximum impact. And I think this is a perfect time coming into the so-called business end of the season where uh, Postacoglu has just thought, right, that was nowhere near the standards I set and it's time to give these boys a boot up the backside. And um, as Mick said, if that was interesting, I would have loved to have been a, a fly in the wall at half-time and full-time, half-time in particular. But no, it's all, it's all about choosing the right time to have that maximum impact. And uh, we all know Postacoglu's way of playing. And if it, I mean, if, if the Rangers' performance was one end of the spectrum, that, that probably was the other end of the spectrum, that first 45 against Wraith. So it's just driving his team forward ahead of the, the run of huge games that Mick mentioned there. One 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 player that I think it stood out almost like um, a crossroads game for me was Mikey Johnson. Now, he's 22 now. We all know that he just can't seem to escape injuries. He came off injured again uh, in the second half of the weekend. And I, I do feel like, you know, I feel really bad for him, as I'm sure a lot of Celtic fans do. But there comes a point, I don't know what you think, Mick, where, I don't know, He's still got two years left in his deal, but is it maybe time for him to look elsewhere, try and revitalise his career? I don't know. It's it's a, it's a kind of I feel kind of I feel sorry for for Mikey Johnson. I, I was at the, um, I was down south in pre-season when he played against. I think it was Bristol City's um, training ground. It's a bounce game, one of um, the manager's first games in charge in pre-season, and he got a, a bad one and he came off. And he was right in front of us, and you could see him going. Oh, he said, "Oh no, not again!" Mm-hmm. Um, and he was devastated because he knew he had another injury. And that's been the kind of tale for him in the last couple of years. He's been constantly injured. Um, everybody knows he's got ability. I mean, everyone's seen it. But as you say, he's now twenty-two. Again, he looked pretty upset going off again. And on Sunday, it, it was it was kind of sod's law. I mean, he, he beats a couple of guys, gets to the byline. Um, gets him behind, sorry, and crossed it in. A chance was missed, but then it turns out that he was offside mm-hmm. and, and gets injured as well. You think, God, if that doesn't just sum up Mikey Johnson's last couple of years, I mean, he, he, he's, he gets himself offside for a start, which he shouldn't be when he's out wide, but he gets he gets him behind, creates a chance, but comes to nothing and he's injured. You're like, Oh man, it's like, not again. So, I, I think time is running out for him a wee bit. He's got a contract at Celtic, so he's still got time to, to kind of make an impact. But you think by now, everyone has spoke about him. Mikey Johnson's talked about as a 14, 15, 16-year-old. Remember the, the big fight with Ireland to get him? Right. Um, Scotland, Ireland, over his services. He was identified as a, a big prospect. I think he could have the following the footsteps of guys like Aidan McGady and Sean Maloney, that kind of, that kind of ilk. But he's, he's not quite got to that level. Um, but Matt, listen, successful managers have, have, have liked what they've seen with them. I mean, Brendan Rodgers liked him, and Len, and Neil Lennon liked him, and Post Coggle spoke Highland in the summer. Also, especially Lennon and, and Rodgers also were on top of him quite often about his, um, I'm not saying attitude, but maybe the, his, maybe his training, his, his way he treats training and all that stuff, and his, his uh, application at times. Um, maybe it came too easy for him. But I think he did knuckle down in, in, in the background and he did force himself back in. But these injuries now are just kind of piling up and he's now become an injury-prone player. He's just not played enough. It's like, mate, he started the cup final, remember? Aye, aye. Um, so he's not exactly been completely in the, in the bomb squad. Um, but if he's injured again, we don't know yet what the kind of severity is of this injury, but if it's another long-term one, then you, kind of, you think run out of chances now at Celtic because he can't bank on him being available. The, the other thing as well, Fraser, about Mikey Johnson is that like, like Mick says, he's undoubtedly talented. He's a really talented player. And it was, I forget what year it was, but I remember there was a pre-season under Brendan Rodgers where it looked like 
Johnson's going to be a really key player for Celtic. Aye. And it's hard for me to, you know, I sort of said, is it time for it to move on? But then it's, you know, he's just had no luck with injuries. And when he goes off at the weekend and Jota comes on and does so well, that must have almost made it doubly kind of painful for him. There's levels in there. I mean, you mentioned the two players there. Can you really mention Mikey Johnson on the same level as Jota? Michael mentioned there his demeanour when he was coming off, and it was a a real shame for him. It actually made me think it looked like he knew himself is possibly in last chance saloon at Celtic. He's definitely got that piece of magic, hasn't he? Which which means he could be a valuable player for the run in this season. Um, Coming off the bench, Spartan Celtic to life if they need that piece of magic. But um, long term, I, I just don't think Mikey Johnston, who's We'll turn 23, I think, before the end of the season. I, I don't think it's quite at the level that Celtic need going forward or Postacoglu needs going forward. And as as Mick said, it's, it's been on the radar for coming up for a decade now. So it'll not be that long till he's midway through his playing career. And maybe for himself, the best thing would be to get a move, a fresh start elsewhere. He was linked to Aberdeen, wasn't he, in the last last transfer window, a loan move up north and something like that, just a fresh start, fresh management could be the best thing for him and and Celtic as well. well hopefully he's not out for too long, hopefully it's not a bad one, but I suppose time will tell where Mikey Johnson ends up. But another player that I was quite impressed with against Ray Crovers at the weekend, um, and I've been impressed with every team I've seen him really, was Liam Scales um, at left-back. And I know Greg Taylor has been much more improved in his form this season, I think. But if I was um, Ange Postacoglu and there was a cup final tomorrow, say, I, I'm not so sure who you'd go with. I don't know. What do you think, Mick? No, I think you go with Greg Taylor. <laughs> I think Greg Taylor's an international defender. And he's played, played well against, played against Belgium and all these teams and all that stuff. He played in Europe. Uh, he's had a good, I mean, because uh, he's come back with injury, he's been really, really playing, playing well, um, Greg Taylor. So I think he is the, the main man in that position at the moment. Um, I think Scales has got a lot of potential. I mean, he's got an absolute cracker. Mm. Um, but he's still, he'll admit himself, he's still learning that, and still learning to play at a club like Celtic, still learning the role. Obviously, the fullback roles at Celtic, we know, aren't the typical kind of fullback roles. Um, and the fact that he scored, he popped up in the inside left channel and puts one in the top corner. That's not that's not a position that left backs tend to end up, mm. um, unless you're playing with Celtic, but you end up in there quite a lot. Um, at times, I think he's looked good. He's got a good delivery on him. He's putting some decent balls when he's played. Um, scored a couple of goals now, as well. So I think he looks the part. I mean, he's got he's got, it means he's got the height, physique. Um, I think a lot of development still to come in him. So I think there's he's a prospect. I don't think he's maybe got that 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 pace and engine as yet. Um, I think with Greg Taylor, as he'll, he'll charge up and done that flying all day as well. Um, but that that may come. I mean, so he's only young. He's not been he's not been that long in, in professional football. Um, Liam Scales either, so he's he's still on a bear in, in that sense. So he's a good prospect. I think is I think um, I think he's in the right place. I think he'll learn a lot with the game, the all round game playing with this this Celtic squad because I think the, the demands on the fullbacks are so high. He'll become an all round better player for it because um, there's not many fullbacks that get the ball on the half turn. Um, usually it's all in front of them. They charge them, they charge up the line back. They're all straight lines fullbacks, aren't they? Um, they don't tend to kind of have a back to go at any point in time, whereas at Celtic you do because you're in the middle of the park, take a ball to your feet and ask it to turn and then pass it, pass it on, which is not what fullbacks tend to do. 
there's a reason why they play fullback. I mean, that's, that's, they're just running straight lines all day. Um, that's 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 the, the, that's a top from the, the, the 11 years old. As, as a field right back, I can confirm that it's true. That, that is, listen, field backs aren't taught to take the ball in a half turn. This is it's not, I mean, it's, just, it's not something in Scotland they would do. Maybe in Holland when it's total football. Um, it's different, different in Scotland. Um, even Rance Postacoglu at the wheel. I've not seen that more and more. The so called inverted fullback. That's what I'm saying. This is what yeah. I have to do. I mean, listen, listen, know yourself. If you're, if, you're, if you're playing goal, you'd never roll a ball out to a, a, a fullback who's 30 yards in field with his back to the middle of the park. The guy would, the guy would come back and berate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't roll, roll a fullback, a ball out to any fullbacks I've played with anyway, mate. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's true. I feel, I really feel yeah. If, um, if obviously I, I do get that it may be a wee bit early to, to call scales and as a as a first pick, but if anything, Fraser, it kind of underlines the the new strength and depth at Celtic have because I remember there was a game just be, just before Christmas when they played Hearts at Celtic Park and they won one 0 Kyogo scored a, a dubious offside goal, but they were really hanging on and they were really down at the bare bones. Remember, I think is it um, Michael Dawson's nephew? I forget his first name now, which is really bad. But remember, he was in the squad, he started the game as well, and you almost thought Celtic really need to get to the January's transfer. Now, they've got you know, a plethora of options. We saw the financial results the other day, 25 million quid in the bank, and it almost looks as though they've got all that money there and they've almost done the rebuild. Kind of. uh, I suppose a lot of folk were saying that the one uh, clear area they needed to strengthen was left-back not so long ago. Is that right? And um, <laughs> I, I hate agreeing with Mick and everything. But it's Greg Taylor all day long for me. Not so much sense. That's what I know. I mean, well, will I just leave this podcast now and leave it to the main man? I Greg Taylor all day long for me. What's that? I keep trying to get you to fall out. I know. Oh, I'll just say Liam Scales then. Eh? He's got more physicality about him. Maybe he can fill in the centre half. I Liam Scales. He should be playing left back. But no, I do feel like Graham. Gra- Graham Taylor. No, that would be a turn up for the books. Greg Taylor has had a bit of a raw deal at Celtic. It's never quite won over the fan base yet, but I think if he was to get a, a solid run in the team, he could be a Celtic left-back for, for years to come. I mean, as, as Mick rightly says, he's a Scotland international for a reason. It gives you at both ends, I think. Um, he was always a player that caught my eye at Um And for me, he's, he's the best option there out of that squad and a right solid Scottish Premiership football. No, no, I think that's fair enough, to be, to be honest. Um, the other things that I wanted to talk about, one of the most read stories we've had on Record Sport online, um, away from Sunday's game, is reigning uh, MLS champion Ronnie Dyler. He's been talking about his time at Celtic. Um, and he's kind of, I don't know if I'd put it as owned up a wee bit, but said that too many of his signings were just average. That was the word he used to describe it. Um, and I almost feel like Ronnie Dyler's became a bit of a cult hero at Celtic, but see, if you actually look at his team, Pretty, it's pretty rotten, to be honest. Like Colin Kazim Richards and Carlton Cole up front, and I don't know. I, th- I thought his comments were pretty spot on, to be honest. He also had your Dedrick Bayata. He never got the same tune out of Scott Brown that Brendan Rodgers did. Stuart Armstrong, Craig Gordon, and goals. He didn't have that bad a team. I mean, Dijk, what was Dijk, his one? Virgil van Dijk. Well, I, when, when Rodgers came in after him, he didn't really change that much of the team. He brought in a couple of quality players, Sinclair and Dembele. I just feel like nostalgia kind of plays tricks in the mind a wee bit. I feel like Dial is lauded a wee bit when, in actual fact, the team's pretty ropey. Well, what was his words? 
Roy and Dyla? Just admitted that uh, he had an ab- too many average players to be successful the way that Ange now is. I think I don't I don't think he got quite the same financial backing that that Rogers and uh, Lennon and and now Postecoglou's had since then, purely because of the circumstances that he found himself in with. Um, Listen, there's no there's no Rangers in the league those two seasons, um, so there was, I'm not saying there was downsizing. There's a bit more kind of um, uh, caution in terms of the uh, finances at that point in time. With the Celtic didn't go hell for leather as such um, in terms of the, the league. But he had some good players. I think Ronnie done okay. I mean, that's I, I, I really liked um, Ronnie Dyle as a, as a guy. I, mean, I dealt with him quite a lot, and he was um, an absolute gem of a guy. I think the job was too big for him at that time. He's only, I think he's only 38 at the time as well. Um, and he told us once, we asked him maybe a few months in the job about the, the, the kind of media scrutiny he was under at Celtic. And he said, we worked at Strong Godset. He said, once a week, some guy would come up from Oslo, some reporter, and have a cup of tea and sit and do his pre-match press in his office. <laughs> and he walked in at Celtic, there was about 100 journalists the first day. Um, he handled that pretty well. I thought he did okay. I, I said, I don't quite... I, there's a kind of story. The story now goes that he was denied a treble by a referee. I'm not sure I quite buy that either. Because it's like, all right, it's a poor decision. Um, but I don't know. Not not, not getting a penalty and doesn't mean you get you have to completely lose the game. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean the man sent off that. Day, didn't he? Gordon sent off that. Day, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And had a final. That was only the same final, wasn't it? As well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't quite subscribe to that. And, and, and by the way, I think I done a wee thing at that time. I think they had 10 players sent off in two seasons under, or I think it was 10, 11 players sent off uh, in two seasons. I think they won three of the games. And the following two seasons, there's about three or four guys sent off under Ben and Rogers and never lost a game with 10 men, including going to Ibrox as well, um, which is basically a sign of a good manager. If you, if you can win with 10 men, it's probably it's proper management. Um, so, listen, Ronnie, I said, a good guy, won't hear much of a bad word against him. I don't think he should be lauded as some sort of manager. Great, done well since he, he, he left New York, obviously. Um, I think he's right to say that he did have some average players that came in, but uh, again, I think he did have some pretty decent ones as well. Um, I think, I think Fraser said that Stuart Armstrong, Van Dykes, and these kind of guys, Tom Roderick, didn't he? Right, right, all these guys are all there. Um, one of, the, one, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this as well, just because I don't want to want a big can of arms, right, but Ronnie Dyla and people like me doing the Ronnie Rod and stuff like that, you just get a wee bit of a pet peeve, like, about stuff like that. It's all, like, style and there wasn't much substance behind it. And another one as well, like, who's just became a, a massive cult hero for Celtic fans, and I'm going to get tons of stick for this, I know, but Arthur Boric, right, he was brilliant for a year. Are you just picking, you just picking fans' favourites and just leathering them? This is just your ploy here. <laughs> I just mean on, on social media I always feel like Boric is still regardless of hero. He was great for a year, but I felt like for about two years, every time he played, he was throwing the ball in the back of the net and just wasn't interested and wasn't a great pro. And I feel like Dyla, when he, when I read his quotes yesterday, I, I kind of felt like I he maybe just kind of gets a wee bit of a kind of lauded by Celtic fans who maybe doesn't deserve it. And I'm, I, I get I'm being a wee bit harsh, and I realise I will get a lot of stick. But Fraser, if you could be leave Ronnie alone, leave Ronnie. Ronnie's a good guy. Leave Ronnie. I'm not surprised at the after Boric, the after Boric oh, one. The guy's the genius between the sticks. Oh, I used to do my Look, the best goalkeepers make the best blunders, and the odd blunder he made was absolutely top draw. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> 
Aye. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree with that one, Fraz. <laughs> John Rankin Squiggler. <laughs> um, obviously, a big game that we've mentioned uh, coming up on Thursday in the Europa Conference League. Um, again, another really well-read story on Record Sport Online last week was about how since the knockout draws have been made, 25% of all bets to win the Conference League has been Celtic. People backing Celtic to go all the way. Now, Mick, if we'd said in the summer Celtic would be you know, amongst some of the best back teams to go win a European trophy, you know, you'd be taking away in a straitjacket. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, they came a long way since the summer, right enough. I mean, the whole entire team's changed since then. Uh, I think that's a bit, that's a wee bit early to start talking about winning this competition. No. I mean, I think you look at the still Roma, Marseille, Leicester in there. Richland. Um, Richland, Fenerbahce. PSV. That's a strong yeah, line. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some tasty sides in there. Depends how how serious they treat it as well. Because let's, let's be honest, it is the kind of uh, the kind of weird half cousin competition, isn't it? It's, it's, we don't really know what where this is in the priority list. And these teams, a lot of these teams might be competing to get into a, a Champions League spot at that time, so they might not be that bothered about the Europa Conference League. So that could open the door. But then again, Celtic, Celtic could be going for the league title at that point in time, and that might might not be the priority at that point either. Um, I think it probably should be because it's a European competition. It's a chance to keep going. Um, I always think Europe should be the, the big priority, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even winning, I think winning it gets a place in the, the Europa League next year. So even that isn't really the reward that, that, that anyone would really be after. Um, and that's a boo prize for, for, for teams like Celtic and, and Rangers in Scotland. Um, but they can look beyond Bodo, uh, Bodo Glint um, because this is a difficult tie. Um, against a, a, a team that's done really well in the last kind of two years. Um, listen, they've, they've been kind of pillaged a little bit um, in recent times. I mean, the, the, the team that, that beat Roma 6-1, um, they've lost a couple of players. They lost their captain, uh, the boy Berg, and, uh, and the main striker went to Krasnodar for four and a half million quid at Blondheim. Um, so they've, they've been seriously weakened in, in January. They're also in pre-season mode. They haven't played a competitive game since uh, December. The season doesn't start till April. Um, but they've got this. They're, they're one of these fashionable teams in Europe right now. Um, they're, they're, they play a certain way. They're, 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 they're strong, aggressive. I went to see them on a spy trip, and they're, they're, they're pretty big. They're massive as well, um, which puts Celtic, I think, in danger of the old, um, the old set piece problems again they've had at times. Um, and they'll play a certain way. I think I think they actually play kind of similar to Celtic as well. They go four three three, kind of up and at them, kind of thing. Um, so I think they'll have a right good go. Um, so it could be another. I think it could be one other one of these European ties that Celtic now seem to be seven up every week. It's the the, the kind of bonkers <laughs> any any score will do type thing. Um, so it could be interesting. If Fraser, the, we're recording this on Tuesday, and today is the four year anniversary of Celtic's last victory in any kind of knockout European tie. I think I'm right in saying that it was a, the one 0 win against Zenit. Mm-hmm. Before that, their last knockout win was in 2004 against Barcelona. Now, for a club like Celtic, that's that's not good enough. I would say, like, like Mick says, I think there's to be more emphasis on European competition. Especially when you think of the likes of Copenhagen and right. some of the teams have crashed out to... Nah, um, so Mick's got the advantage. I haven't seen Bodo Glimt in the flesh. Um, I've only read about them, and what I've read about them, they have lost to star men. They sound like a typical do sound ignorant to the fact here, but they do sound like a typical Scandinavian side. 
that will pose problems. I think if Celtic go at this game 100, percent they really should be looking to take a, a two or three goal lead over to uh, the second leg with them. Um, and I think the prestige that would come from getting deep into this competition and it's the inaugural year uh, is worth is worth its weight. It's worth Celtic putting everything into this competition because the further you go in Europe, it, it has knock-on effects for the domestic game as well. And I just think it would keep their season uh, rolling along quite nicely. Uh, but in terms of this tie, treat it with the utmost respect. And uh, I think Celtic should be looking at a comfortable victory to take over to the second leg with them. I think I, I, I can think, see um, your face there, Michael. Uh, you've seen uh, this. You've seen uh, those of They're basically coming out the pre-season, though. That you've yeah. got to look at that as well. You're giving this lot. Never heard of this mob. Should be should be getting clattered. Um, <laughs> that does sound a bit ignorant, doesn't it? This is a team that's won the, 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 the title in Norway two years that's in the bounce, and they, 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 they drew two each in the, um, the Stadio Olimpico against Roma, as well as beat them six-one at home. Is it the same team, though? No, <laughs> no. Well, it's pretty much the same. The same. Same but uh, nuts and bolts. Aye, nuts and is that not the captain? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're banned for Norway. <laughs> um, but they're they're a, they're a good side. They say they play that they don't they do they play their own their own way. That's not quite the same way we'd expect like a Rosenberg to play and all that stuff. It's it's a bit like it's a bit like the old Ange ball that Celtic's doing now as well. It's um um the, the manager's got a bit about him. He's um I can understand why there's a lot of talk about him across the, across the continent. Because he is doing something a bit different. Um, nobody really tells you what they're actually doing. A lot, a lot of it's analytics, um, a lot of psychology. They've got a guy, they got a guy who was in the Norwegian Air Force, a pilot, who is now their, their motivational coach or something like that. So um he comes in and he, he, he tells them how to be how to be top guns and all that stuff. But um, but I so they just think outside the box, this this team. And they're they're gonna be really dangerous. I, I think it could be one of these two weeks, three, two jobs. Uh, Thursday night, I think it could be one of these kind of um, end-to-end kind of thrillers. But um, if you listen, if you're right for us and it's and it's three nothing, Celtic would snap the hand off it right here now. But I, I I I think it'll be tougher than that. I think if it's two all or even three two, then it could be good night for Celtic in this competition. I think they need something a bit comfier than that to take across for them. Maybe maybe no way goals right enough number. Oh. Ah, it doesn't count. I get that. I know. Um, I don't. I, I don't think it'll be I many kind of conditions out there are, are, are I think are t- pretty tough as well. It's Arctic Circle, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I think it's, it's weirdly not that cold. I say in reality, it's not. It's not minus twenty. Um, it's only minus ten. Or it's not actually. It's not that bad. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a kind of windy venue. It's, it's not going to be a terrifying atmosphere mm-hmm. out there. Um, I think I think both games will be the same. I think both things will be held for leather. About absolute bun fight. How how about this for a scenario, right? Leicester struggling in the Premier League, 11th, Rodgers under a wee bit of pressure, Celtic Leicester in the last 16, Celtic put him out. Any chance that will happen? Look at both your faces. Just Leave that for the final. Oh, that would be good. That'd be good. The Leicester have got Randers of Denmark, just for what it's worth. Um, right, I'm going to put you both in the spot before we finish, because I know he's liking to do that. So, Mick, will Celtic get through the tie? I think they will, but it's going to be a roller coaster ride. I think it could be something ridiculous in terms of scoreline. <laughs> what do you think, seven, seven five or something silly. <laughs> that's the two. Aye, that, that's the two goal advantage I spoke about. Uh, well, I've got to stick to my guns now, haven't I? Um, 
I don't know, 3-1 across the two legs to Celtic? For what it's worth, I, I kind of agree with you, Mick. I think, remember the Cluj try a couple of years ago? It was just just crazy. What was yeah. this one? That was like 6-4 in aggregate or something like that, something silly. Um, and I think I think, I think think it'll be goals. I think it'll be a good game anyway on Thursday. I think Celtic have seriously tightened up at the back and are now no longer the Jokers. That's uh, that they were once uh, accused of. Joe Hart's influence in that team's massive. I just think <laughs> it might sound like I'm completely ignorant to Bodo Glimt, and in many respects, I suppose I am, but I can see Celtic getting a, a two goal advantage to take across to Norway, which will be uh, enough to see them through. Just, sorry, I meant to ask this just before, but Mike, do you think Christopher Julian will play any part? No. No? Just too no. soon? Too soon. Right. Yeah, he only played what, 15 minutes the other day. Um, just thought when you were saying there about set pieces that he might be quite handy to have, but I no, no, um, no, I don't, I wouldn't have thought so. I think he's still, he's still a bit away yet. I think he's to build up a bit. I think it's good to see him back for, uh, for the guy personally because it's a long time, 14 months. Right. Um, but I think, it, I think it's too big a game to, to throw him into from the start. And plus, listen, um, Cameron Carter Vickers and, and Carl Stoffer have played pretty well. Right. Um, they've been, they've been, they've been. Excellent domestically. Um, Europe's different level, and Celtic in Europe have been quite a well doing wacky at times this season. Um, obviously, the first half of the season, a lot, of, a lot of problems in terms of personnel, which meant it was always going to be a bit well wacky. But uh, so, it'll be interesting to see it. I think Celtic could, could do a kind of more mature performance, like like Fraser's talking about, and, and a two 0 win or something like that would, would be um, would be ideal. I just think the way Bodo play, they might not allow it. And I think Celtic might just think it's it's best just go to toe to toe and see who's got the best firepower. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I think Celtic would, would have the edge. Um but that could mean that there will be goals at, at either end. Um which is listen, that's and Sports Cogwell quite likes. If Celtic win three, one, four, two, seven, five, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. a ten twenty a ten twenty one as we had when I was a kid. <laughs> um, I think he'd be quite happy with that. So uh, yeah, strap yourselves in. Right, fingers crossed it'll be a, a great game. Um, Mick Fraser, it's the house. stick the house on nothing each now. I know. Put the mortgage on nothing each. <laughs> um, Mick Fraser, as, as, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining. And for everyone listening, we'll be back next week. Cheers. Bye.